From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi cab, RV, camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hello to all of you listening in on one of our growing roster of affiliates, and of course the podcast available at iTunes and Stitcher, TuneIn.com and TalkZone.com, and of course the Conspiracy Show app, free download, available through iTunes and Google Play. Nancy Duterte is standing by. Uh, she'll talk about her new book, How to Talk to an Alien, which is quite a provocative title. But we are approaching a time when I suppose we have to start thinking about these things. Uh, as the Kepler Space Observatory continues to survey parts of the Milky Way and discover Earth-sized extrasolar planets lying in that Goldilocks or habitable zone, there is that possibility that um, we will be confronted. Uh, we will have confirmation of an ET presence right here in our cosmic backyard. Uh, back in 2013, uh, the Kepler Space Mission data estimated there could be as many as 40 billion Earth-sized planets uh, orbiting stars similar to our own sun or other red dwarf stars within the Milky Way alone. So for some, and I repeat, for some, uh, it's just a matter of time before ETs make their, their presence here on Earth known. And it's just a matter of time before we have disclosure. Uh, some UFO experiencers, abductees, insist aliens are already reaching out to us and trying to communicate, perhaps through crop circles. Uh, remember the, the strange hieroglyphs that Jeffy, Jesse Marcel Sr. and Jr. saw on that tiny I-beam that was recovered from the UFO debris field near Roswell in 47. What about the digital download that Jim Penniston received when he was in close proximity to a UFO that landed in the Rendlesham Forest uh, over Christmas 1980? All possible forms of alien communication. So the question is, who will speak to the aliens on behalf of planet Earth? Who can translate their intentions, good or evil, toward the human race? How can we learn about their advanced technologies? Can aliens even speak human languages? These are just some of the, the talking points addressed again in How to Talk to an Alien. And Nancy Dutart is best known as the skeptical psychic. She's a securities litigation attorney who became a trained psychic detective and remote viewer trained in military CRV methods. A magna cum laude graduate of Princeton University, She's a frequent media guest on shows such as Coast to Coast AM, and she hosted her own weekly radio program on CBS. She's certified in intuitive gestalt psychotherapy and is the author of several books, including Psychic Intuition, Everything You Ever Wanted to Ask, But We're Afraid to Know. Nancy, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much, Richard. Uh, this is kind of groundbreaking work to my mind. I don't ever recall seeing another book. Uh, that has addressed this issue. I mean, you are really uh, sort of leapfrogging over the whole, you know, disclosure movement. It's time to stop worrying about it. Let's start ta figuring out how we're going to speak to them. Thank you, and I, I really, really appreciate you recognizing that because uh, it, it seemed to me like it was just this obvious hole, you know, that nobody had really addressed. This this area in all of ufology, and I couldn't understand, well, why... If it's so important, you know, to talk about disclosure and the fact that they're here and exopolitics and all that, um, why is nobody talking about uh, the way in which we ought to be communicating? I mean, 
and I'm I'm trained in I mean I'm fluent in French I'm I'm trained in German and Thai so I speak a bunch of different languages, and I've lived in many different countries so I know that when you go to a new place and you have to you know communicate with the natives, you learn the language. So why aren't we thinking the same way with aliens? Uh, precisely, and uh, by some estimates, we're I mean we could be visited by a virtual sort of united nations of the uh, the galactic community something like 82 languages uh, perhaps we're dealing with 82 different alien civilizations visiting upon the earth i've seen estimates and and you know i don't think anybody knows the definitive answer to that but i have seen estimates that range from you know uh, in terms of different alien species or races anywhere from 4 to 57 to 82 to a hundred and some odds up to three hundred, and it really depends. Um, I think a lot on what you choose to kind of lump into that mm, quasi spiritual category. Uh, and and yet, as you as you point out, uh, in in our ongoing effort to uh, to communicate and find out, you know, who's out there, and and hope, hopefully they're receiving our signals. We're still broadcasting the equivalent of a radio Morse code into outer space. Yes, I mean, isn't that kind of ridiculous? <laughs> isn't that kind of ridiculous? Yes, it's totally ridiculous. I mean, I, and by the way, I have total respect for the scientists and, and the people involved in setting up those systems, and obviously their elaborate systems setting up digital radio waves. And, you know, back in 1974, it was, uh, I think, Frank Drake and, and Carl Sagan who decided to send out the Arecibo message um, out of the, from the uh, Arecibo telescope in Puerto Rico. Um, and, and they sent out this, you know, lovely digital um, binary message, which sent out lots of data about, you know, who we are, what's our chemical composition, Average things about you know average humans, what their what our telescope look like, um, you know, where we're located in the solar system, you know data like that. There was about I don't know seven or eight different sets of data, but they figured okay if we're and they targeted a star system, in the hopes that well you know maybe if somebody's there they'll pick it up in twenty five thousand years, by which time maybe if they do and they're using the same type of uh, technology that we're using that maybe we'll get an answer in 50,000 years, which just seems absolutely patently ridiculous to me. And there have been other, you know, I think we sent out um, these plates with information, I think it was on the one of the uh, Voyager craft that went out. So, I mean, it was set up with a, a to play, I think, like a phonograph. Right, yes. And already, you know, I mean, yeah, I had a phonograph when I was a kid. That's how old I am. But uh, that that's, you know, even in my lifetime. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Some civilization light years away will be listening to Montavani plays the Beatles, perhaps. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> but the, what, about the, what about the 2001 um, uh, response to the, uh, the 74 Arecibo message? And this was... Uh, in the form of a crop circle in um, in Hampton, England. Uh, what, what do you make of that? Was that a, ge- a genuine alien response? You know, I, I wasn't there, and I couldn't tell you, and I didn't make that crop circle. But uh, all I can say is, you know, what I'm suggesting 
to uh, anybody who's taking any of these topics seriously, as I really think they ought to, um, is instead of discarding um, information that you know you have already predecided is ridiculous or it's hoaxed or it's no good or it's that subjective you know you know funny channeled stuff that psychics do or whatever bring all of that questionable data back into play because you don't know how aliens communicate and i would suggest it's worthwhile taking a look at that response and there was a, a fabulous response um and basically it came back and it said you know that there it was the response allegedly of aliens saying well instead of being more carbon based we're more silicon based here's sort of what we look like uh here's uh, our location um in the solar system and this is what our telescope looks like and by the way that same telescope showed up in a uh, as a later crop circle um you know why not include it because that's an instantaneous response which would be maybe more evolved maybe more intelligent and there there's information that's coming through a bunch of these crop circles now which um wasn't known to humanity before uh they've discovered new uh euclidean geometric theorem um in the crop circles yeah One fractals yeah, they've got interesting fractals. They've got all kinds of really interesting things and, and harmonics and uh, a whole wide range of information. And uh, do I know if they're, you know, alien-made or human-made? I, I can only tell you that many, many years ago, uh, I met somebody in England at a... It was a place that was well-known where crop circle people met. and It was sort of an underground place at the time, probably isn't anymore. And he said that he had been drawn there he was he was english and he thought that these crop circles were made by aliens and when he showed up he was very very disappointed to find out that there was basically like an underground group of about you know roughly i don't know 40 or 50 people involved in making them hmm. but what he said was that even even though it seemed to be just the human groups making them that very often they seemed to be um guided right, yes, yes, intelligently to create certain shapes. Sometimes two people or three people would get the same idea the same night to create the same crop circle, or sometimes they would, in the dark, bump into each other, or they'd be, they'd see those, um, you know, the orbs above, the, the, the orbs of light flying above the crop circles. So there may be, I mean, I, I do think that alien intelligence uh, and communication in many ways operates through us. It's we're the tool, you know. We're the telegraph machine. Right, tools. We are tools. We yeah. we use that term advisedly <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yes. So we'll take a. We're going to take a time out, Nancy, uh, and we'll uh, come back and and um, I, I want to find out how you think we should be uh, approaching this in terms of preparing for communication. What sort of things do we need to keep in mind in terms of of technology techniques? Uh, the alien mindset, and so forth. How to talk to an alien. Can they speak our languages? Can they read our minds? What are they trying to tell us? Nancy Duterte, here on The Conspiracy Show. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. And we are back. 
How to Talk to an Alien. Can they speak our languages? Can they read our minds? What are they trying to tell us? Brand new book uh, from Nancy Duterte with a, a forward by Stanton Friedman and some very nice comments uh, from uh, Mr. Nori, my colleague over at Coast to Coast, and, of course, uh, Jim Mars. And as I said earlier, uh, this is really sort of groundbreaking work. No other book, to my knowledge, has sort of broached this subject area. Uh, you know, let's stop uh, talking, uh, chasing the lights in the sky and um, stop, you know, wringing our hands and waiting for some sort of a disclosure um, uh, announcement from the Rose Garden at the White House. Let's just figure out when they come. Well, they're, they're already here. Let's figure out how we're going to talk to them and, and, uh, and communicate uh, with us. So uh, do you have some sort of uh, uh, protocols in mind or uh, sort of a, a way of wrapping our heads around this all-important subject, what are the things that we need to be doing and keeping in mind? One of the really interesting things that I learned in researching different types of alien languages, and by the way, there are lots of them. Some people insist that there's only one and, you know, they're being communicated with and that's it. And what I've discovered is there there are actually many. Some of them uh, correlate. So... The whole idea here, what I'm trying to do is to create like a, uh, a Rosetta Stone, so that which is how they discovered what the Egyptian hieroglyphics meant. But it was only by reference they could go to the you know the the Greek or to the uh, Egyptian demotic script on the same stone, and you know piece it together. Well, since nobody has really been that interested in alien language, because they figured, oh, you know, it's those those people who are channeling that you know that stuff or people who are doing it are sort of keeping it private so that there's not a sharing involved. So what I'm trying to do is to build up a large enough database so that we can start to see, you know, who's using which, the, the same symbols or the same glyphs or, or alphabet letters, if indeed they're using an alphabet. They may not use alphabets at all. That's a whole other thing. And they're writing may actually uh, be representative, for example, instead of like, a, you know, our writing is two-dimensional. We write it, you know, like on a piece of paper or on a computer, and it's flat. But we make little um, symbols and things to basically indicate, well, you know, uh, this like a, a German umlaut, which is two dots, you know, that you... Right. Right. It, 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 that means you're supposed to create a sound a particular way. Or in um, Arabic, it, uh, dots around the letters will indicate, you know, which ones are supposed to go with which words or how they're supposed to be pronounced. Well, alien languages may, in fact, they may use similar types of symbols, but they may be uh, indicators of something multidimensional. Like maybe you're supposed to pronounce this particular thing in, uh, you know, three or four different uh, phonetic tones, you know, or in in several different uh, time zones, you know. I mean, there, there could be many, many things like that. We just haven't looked at it well enough yet. Well, um, where are we? Is this coming to you and, and other researchers in terms of alien languages? Uh, Sort of piecemeal, anecdotally, for example, uh, you know, Jim Penniston at Rendell, Rendlesham scribbles in a notebook some glyphs that he saw on the on the on this craft. Uh, 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 someone uh, 
claimed to be uh, who claims to be an abductee uh, is able to recount some telepathic communications. Is is that how this information is being gathered? You know, you gather it wherever you can get it. And what I've suggested is that there are three basic ways to get it. The first way is you get an actual artifact. And if you've got one, you know, I really hope you'll show it to me because (laughs) coming up with an actual alien artifact is uh, not that easy. You know, everybody thinks of the Roswell I-beam with the hieroglyphs, uh, you know, on it. And obviously that was uh, carefully... Uh, carted off by the military, and, and as are most of these things, if they come to light. So uh, it's kind of hard to find them. Uh, I did in my book, I, I do talk about a letter that was allegedly dropped out of a spacecraft in 1965, and it was retrieved by the contactee, uh, whose name was John Reeve, I believe. And it it wasn't really on a piece of paper. It was on some type of material-like paper, but it wasn't an earthly material, apparently. And it was it had all these funny sort of like chicken scratch-looking things written on it. And he told the media about it, and then he handed it over to the military, and that was uh, the last he saw of it. He eventually got back, I think, a, a, some type of a copy. Um But what I do in my book, How to Talk to an Alien, is I show that those same characters, which are in the category of uh, what's known as dot and line, because they have these little dots and they've got these funny little, uh, you know, straight line. As I said, it kind of looks like chicken scratch. It looks an awful lot like the ancient uh, Nordic uh, runic alphabet. Right, right. and when I showed, so there you have an actual artifact, all right? And that's very rare. The second best category is you get a contactee or an abductee who's actually seen something. Um, most often it's writing that's uh, inside or outside a spacecraft, and they remember it. And sometimes they can actually, they can remember it with their, you know, flat out their memory. Sometimes it's in uh, hyp- hypnotic regression. So I'm... And then the third category, which is a category that nobody ever really wants to deal with because scientists and, and academics get really squirrely when you, tar- you start talking about, you know, psychic channeling or uh, different types of hypnotic regression, trance states, dreams, automatic writing, things like that. But if you take those categories back, as I said, assume that, that we're being used simply as uh, – receivers basically you know like a radio receiver right and use that information assume that maybe some of it's not going to be great but some of it may be just dynamite stuff and you cross compare them cross compare them with the memories of the abductees and the contactees and cross compare them with anything you can get from an actual artifact and you start seeing similarities right across the board it's really really interesting would that be uh, so? For example, uh, here on uh, planet Earth, we have the Romance languages, uh, French and, and and Spanish, and so forth. Um, so, is that the type of similarity you're you're seeing that, uh, in, at least in the written form? Um, yeah, I think it's better than that um, because w- you can actually match up the identical symbols, and you can do it across, you know, all. Well, what I put in the book is like three or four different categories, and you can match them up. I took—I'll give you another example. 
Um, there was a, a very famous um, mathematician and astrologer to Queen Elizabeth I. His name was John Dee. He was alive in the 16th century. He had an encounter with what he called an angel, and he then uh, began to basically channel uh, or do automatic automatic writing of a sort of um, this angelic alphabet. He said it was delivered to him backwards. He traced it in light. It was like a pale yellow light. And it was it was told to him by this angel that it was too powerful to be delivered in its forward sense. It was delivered backwards. And there were a whole series of um, angelic languages, uh, you know, at the time that were being used for healing purposes by alchemists, um, those different for, because they can the word the letters or the glyphs contain powers. What I did is I matched up his alphabet with some writing that was done by a 19th century French uh, medium whose name was uh, I think Helene Smith. It wasn't a real name, um, but she claimed to have traveled to Mars. You know, she drew these drawings of Martian landscapes. And she claimed to write in Martian. So I took hmm. one of her like little bits of Martian writing, and I compared it to John Dee's alphabet. Right off the bat, and John Dee's alphabet's got 22 characters. The little piece of writing I took from her, it had 36 characters. And there were, right off the bat, three or four that were identical. Interesting. Is it is it not possible, uh, Nancy, that she had uh, seen the, the the writing of John Dee as well? You know, anything is possible. Hmm. Uh, anything at all. But I think, and that's why I said there was actually a book that was written by a psychiatrist, a Swiss psychiatrist, about her. And uh, it's very detailed. He he goes into all of her languages and this and that and does this very careful sort of analysis. But in the end, he concludes that because her language was so similar to the syntax of French, that it had to be bogus. Hmm. And so he dismissed the whole thing. And what I'm saying is, okay, you know, maybe that's... First of all, I have problems with some of his now, so I won't go into that, but... That's okay, but how about let's start cross-comparing people. Let's not just take one person at a time because, you know, he started analyzing her, you know, is she mentally stable, is she having hallucinations, and he went into the whole psychiatrist thing. And uh, I'm saying uh, let's get past that because if you get the same symbols that are uh, recurring through different artifacts, different centuries, different people, um, then you've, you've got something that you can analyze. The the whole idea of telepathic communication uh, comes to us, by and large, I think, from the alien abductees uh, or, or victims of alien abduction, if I can use that term, victim. Uh, what what are your thoughts on 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 that the, the idea that they are communicating telepathically and if they can if they can communicate telepathically uh then it would seem to me we would be talking about obviously a a, a far more e- evolved technologically uh spiritually perhaps evolved entity than uh a civilization that's still using uh, nordic ruins for lack of a better better term 
first of all, I think that, I mean, it's well known they, they communicate telepathically. That's the one thing that seems to be most commonly reported uh, among many or all of the different species. No, I'm not going to say all. Most, but not all. Um, abduction researcher David Jacobs has said that he believes that this telepathic communication is the only type of communication that goes on uh, during an abduction or a contact experience. And he says it's it's telepathic alien to alien, alien to human, and human to human until the, the humans get back to Earth, and then they're human again. And as he, in his opinion, we don't have telepathic abilities, and therefore, you know, it's got to be that alien thing going on. We're using their carrier wave, I guess. Uh, well, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but, but um, I don't believe, first of all, since I'm a trained psychic, I mean, I trained into everything. I was not psychic before. I know that you can be trained into it. Well, if you, and, and part of being psychic is being somewhat telepathic. We may, we may not be as telepathic, but, uh, I, th- we have that ability. And my research also showed that there are tons of cases that you can find, well-documented ones, which involve telepathic and uh, vocalized audible speech being done by the aliens. So it's both, and they use both. What's interesting is that most people don't stop to think when they're thinking about telepathic language, how's it done? You know, what do you, how do you, how did you get the message? And it can either be done as a wholesale imposition of the entire thought on your brain. It can be done visually, or it can be done audibly. And All right, when let it's me done just audibly. You can do it as. Forgive me, I got to jump in here. We'll come back after the break and, and pick up on that point: telepathic communication. I'm back with more of my conversation with Nancy Duterte here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Uh, we are back with Nancy Duterte, How to Talk to an Alien. We were talking about telepathic communication, and uh, you were discussing uh, how that might be facilitated. Yes. Just to go back a little bit, I was explaining that you can... Telepathic communication can be subdivided many different ways. Aliens communicate with us in their alien languages, and they communicate with us in our native languages and in other human languages. Um, so, and sometimes they make mistakes. I mean, there's a really interesting case, uh, you know, the uh, Betty Andreessen uh, Luca case. Yes. Uh, very well known. And uh, these five little, I think they were probably greys, showed their house. They put her family in suspended animation. And they telepathically communicate with her. And they say something like, uh, we'd like some uh, or burnt meat. And she's thinking, uh, okay. So she starts cooking, and she's busy burning some meat for them. And they get all sort of panicky, and they say, no, 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 no. We want uh, something like uh, knowledge that's been uh, tried by fire. <laughs> and so she's thinking, you know, something meaty, meaty knowledge that's been tried by fire. So she's thinking, she's racking her brain saying, what the heck? And so she goes, the only thing she can think of is she goes and gets her Bible. Because that's knowledge, meaty knowledge that's been tried by fire. Right, right. And that's exactly what they wanted. So even they were making mistakes telepathically communicating in English. 
And there are other examples like that, too, which is really interesting. Um, you, you pose kind of a fun question, uh, and that is whether aliens speak human languages with an accent. Uh, I'm, 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 I know that there is a, a method to your madness with that question. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, actually, I, uh, that was one of my favorite things in sort of exploring because what I realized was that there's a huge amount of, uh, of information that you get by knowing if the alien is speaking with an accent or if they're speaking with no accent, if they're speaking perfectly fluently. Because in both situations, you're learning something about where they come from how much interaction they've had with humans, uh, who taught them, and uh, how long they may have been around. And um, it's quite fascinating. I mean, there was um, one of my my favorite things was uh, an alien who, um, this comes out of the W56 friendship case in Italy, and um that was a, it was an ongoing situation where there was a collective of different races of aliens who were communicating directly with an entire town in Italy and eventually with top politicians and industrialists and scientists all over Europe. They apparently lived in a 200-mile-long base beneath the Adriatic Sea. And one of them, um, he, I guess his Italian wasn't that good. Um, and, and by the way, this group, they were speaking Italian, uh, French, German, Spanish, they were really good with the human languages. But this guy spoke with an accent, and it was learned that he had learned how to speak Italian by listening to old radio uh, clips of Mussolini. <laughs> so now you got to imagine an alien speaking like Mussolini. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, what about um, aliens using... Um, I'm, I'm thinking almost of the, of EVPs, uh, electronic voice phenomena, where, and, and who knows? I mean, we assume EVPs are, are, uh, you know, the ghosts, uh, or the voices of discarnate spirits, but perhaps is it possible, uh, aliens are using radio interference and, and these sorts of things in order to communicate with us? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely believe that's true, and I know that in the W56 case, uh, uh, there was an engineer who was involved in, in that, uh, or writing about it anyway, his name was uh, Stefano Brecchia. And he he said that they could specifically target in a room full of TVs, which would have been kind of unusual in the 1950s, you know, so it was very cutting-edge technology. They could target one TV set and um, use that for communication. They could do the same thing with some of the really, really early computers, also, um, so uh, coming across, I mean, I've received um, phone calls uh, from uh, entities that I, I mean, just by deduction, I mean, there's just no other thing that they could be. Uh, I've received them, my daughter's received them, uh, our friends have heard them, uh, I've heard recordings of them from other friends and colleagues. So, yeah, they can use... Any type of electronic uh, technology, I think it's pretty easy for them to uh, to manipulate. All right. We are coming up on another break. And uh, when we come back, 
Uh, we'll talk about aliens among us and whether or not, uh, you know, or what percentage perhaps of, of uh, aliens are biologically equipped uh, to speak uh, using vocal cords and so forth. Back with more of my conversation with Nancy Duterte here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, we are back with Nancy Duterte. How to talk to an alien. How do uh, people get the book, Nancy? Uh, very easy. They can get it on uh, Amazon. I think it's in Barnes & Nobles, bookstores, smaller bookstores. I know MUFON's carrying it. Um, they go to my website. Uh, they should get more information on it. So that's either theskepticalpsyche.com or talkalien.com. Uh, seems like a, an obvious question, but are, are aliens, or maybe what percentage, uh, do we think, uh, actually are biologically equipped for, for speech using, you know, a, a larynx and, and tongue and lips and, and, and so forth? Well, that's what I spent some time thinking about, because if you are going to talk about, you know, vocalized speech, then you have to think about, well, what kinds of, I mean, can they, can they even make sounds like us? I mean, we know that in the animal kingdom, a lot of them, a lot of animals can't make our human sounds and vice versa. Uh, so, I mean, it seemed to me pretty obvious that the, the humanoid types of aliens can, they, at least on the exterior, seem to be able to, like they've got all the equipment to speak, although I did discover, uh, in reading about, uh, an alien allegedly from the planet Venus, Valiant Thor, um, that he had one giant lung. He also had a few other oddities, uh, like copper oxide blood and very, like, IQ of 1200 or above. Um, and he, by the way, spoke apparently hundreds of languages. Um, but he so but he was humanoid looking. I mean, you look at him. You, uh, I, I included some photos in the book, and you would think, well, okay, that's you know, that's got to be a hoax or something because the guy looks human. I included another photo of uh, a different uh, hu- humanoid type. He's a giant from the W56 case, and they've uh, you know done various authentications on that photo. And so they seem to have all the equipment, but then you start to get into these uh, stranger categories like the, uh, you know, reptilian types or the insectoid types. And I, what I say in my book, How to Talk to an Alien, which is don't automatically assume that if you don't see ears, for example, on their head, that that means that they can't hear. Because, for example, if the uh, mantis type of uh, insectoid aliens or anything like our praying mantises, the insects, um, those insects have ears on their uh, abdomens. Hmm. Crickets have them on their forelegs. Frogs have them in their lungs. I mean, you, they may be on the outside or on the inside and nowhere near where we assume that you need that equipment. True enough. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um Interesting, uh, you make mention of Charles Hall, uh, who was, I guess, was a meteorologist working out uh, near Area 51 and, and had an encounter with these tall whites. Uh, what did Hall uh, say in terms of uh, the way these tall whites uh, communicated? I mean, these were a very kind of a, this is a 
let's face it, a, a very intimidating a race of aliens, uh, very mercurial, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. From everything that that he wrote about them, um, they apparently. Oh, and by the way, he said that they could, they were easily uh, taken by the various military folks and disguised and brought into uh, Las Vegas to do a little gambling or a little shopping. So apparently, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, you, you know. They like to do similar things, but, uh, yeah, apparently they were very family-oriented, very protective of their families, um, to the point of crazy, uh, and also aggressive, and it uh, didn't matter how much history you had with them. He apparently was once wounded pretty badly by them. But anyway, he said that they communicated in uh, little high, extremely high squeaky noises that to him sounded like meadowlarks. Hmm. Um, and he said they also communicated in different situations. They sounded like dogs barking or dogs yelping. And I know that in the Brazilian case with uh, uh, Vilas Boas, um, the Brazilian farmer who was abducted and uh, had sort of a very, for him, not a great sexual encounter with an alien um, he also said that they communicated with this sort of, they sound like dogs barking. So, you know, it would kind of, we could take some of the studies that we do with uh, understanding animal sounds, like, you know, dolphins or dogs or anything, and start to apply some of the same principles to, uh, any, to these types of communications by aliens. Do you think they're approaching uh, our our language in the same manner? In other words, uh, I mean, are they more interested in trying to learn how to communicate with us? Are they busy trying to develop the equivalent of a, an app so that they can, uh, you know, to facilitate to, to facilitate uh, communication in in, uh, in a human language? It's been reported that aliens, uh, they're not always, you know, apparently inherently brilliant at uh, speaking many, many languages or knowing all of our human languages, and that very often it's reported that they're carrying these um, different technological devices or instruments, such as, like, uh, silver uh, orbs or spheres, uh, or these kind of things that look like wands. Some of them are described as boxes. Some of them have, um, uh, I guess, knobs on their headgear that they can switch. And all of these things, apparently, once they're activated, the contactees say that uh, the languages switch. So they have that ability. And by the way, we've, I mean, we've, we have Google Translate right now, which exactly. is not great. But, you know, it, it does the basic job. And we've got uh, technologies that are being developed right now, uh, for example, by a neuroscientist named Jack Gallant, who's out at the uh, University of California, Berkeley, um, who's developing ways that we can actually um, see the, uh, act the, the dream landscapes, the, the visions that we see when we're dreaming. And uh, he figures, you know, within 
oh, just a few decades, I mean, not long at all, that we're going to be wearing what he calls like the equivalent of like a Google hat, where we just switch, you know, we can switch it and we can read minds. We can see what people are thinking. I mean, it's going to be very similar to what psychics are already doing now. You know, it's just going to be done in a technological way. Right, right. No, uh, we, we are definitely on that fast track. There's no question about it. I kind of glossed over. Uh, I want to revisit this because your own experiences um, with, uh, we were talking about EVPs and, and how aliens might manipulate uh, radio waves and so forth. And, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about your experiences with what you call alien phone voices and radio interference. Um, yeah, I mean, I can... Uh, I can tell you that, that for me personally, and by the way, I was not interested in UFOs or ufology or any of this stuff. Um, I had a pretty dramatic uh, sighting with my daughter. She and I came out of a movie theater uh, not far from home, and uh, we looked up in the sky, and there was a, uh, what I later learned was, I guess, a mothership. It was the size of a football field. It was covered in... 20 or 30 orange lights. It was boomerang-shaped. It was just sitting there. And eventually, a number of things happened. There was a, a white orb that, that telescoped open off of one end, uh, and then this thing cloaked or dematerialized in three phases. And it was after that experience that um, she and I, we'd be having phone conversations, and we would the, the conversation would be interrupted. And in every situation, uh, we couldn't hear each other, but we could both hear the voice. And it was usually a sort of, I mean, weird, cold, creepy, sort of electronic-sounding male voice um, that would start talking, only it was really, really hard to understand because it was coming through with such thick, uh, like, sound wave distortion. Um, and generally it would say whatever it was saying, and then, and it, it did say my daughter's name once. Um, it would finish, and then it would hang up both of us. Hmm. And then we would try to call each other back, and we couldn't usually for five or ten minutes. Both of our lines would just ring and ring and ring. And that happened on many occasions, and then it, it would. It also happened with her when she was speaking with some of her friends, and it happened with me when I was speaking with uh, some of my friends. So it wasn't just us. And it was, I mean, the, the sounds were clearly not anything like um, any type of telephone interference or third-party, you know, crossing lines or anything like that that I have ever heard. I mean, this stuff was, it was wild. What do you suppose that was all about? What was the intention there? I i think that um, the effort was being made to communicate with us a, after a connection, I and I'm assuming, had been made from that sighting. And by the way, I've since had many sightings, and so has my daughter. Um, so I think there was an effort to communicate. And, you know, I think if you look at I do believe that they have this an ability to uh, induce many uh, mental and perceptive 
or, or perception states. Okay, so they have mind control abilities that I think are extremely powerful. And I think that in some ways, if they're uh, speaking, it's not necessarily required that you intellectually understand them. You know, like when we're talking, we're actually thinking while we're talking. And I don't know that that's the, the, the same rules apply. That is a rather frightening proposition. Yeah, but I think it's just something we all have to uh, recognize because there's so many instances of that. I mean, it's, uh, I'm certainly not the only one. There, there are plenty of documented cases. Sure, sure. I mean, one has to then wonder yeah. uh, about certain human behaviors and, and criminal activity and, and uh, activity or, or behavior that's seemingly out of character. Are they being perhaps controlled, manipulated by some otherworldly entity? Well, Nancy, listen, a fascinating, fascinating book. Congratulations. How to Talk to an Alien. And uh, I've enjoyed our conversation immensely. Thank you for this. Thank you very much, Richard. I appreciate it. Nancy Duterte, How to Talk to an Alien. Can they speak our languages? Can they read our minds? What are they trying to tell us? All right, back next week with a brand new show. Hope you'll be along for that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.